Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of the MTG Grindcast, uh, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. I am Chris Castor-Apple, Collins is here. Hi Collins. Here. Yep. Um, I believe this is episode 90, mm-hmm. but I'm not looking at show notes right now to tell me that because I'm looking at a spreadsheet in Ooh. which... Ooh. Yeah, we're moving up in the world. Spreadsheets, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have upgraded our technology for the spoiler episode yeah. um, because we're doing a different kind of spoiler episode. Indeed. Um, so instead of assigning letter grades, because those are all super nebulous... <laughs> We're going to talk about the cards, yeah, just like we always do. Yeah, going to evaluate them mostly for standard, and then we're going to figure out how many of them CCR is pre-ordering. Yes, we've made calls in the past, made like hard calls about what cards are going to be good. Yep, yeah, and I've not acted on that. It's time so. to put our money where our mouths are. Yep. So that's going to be like the real rating is just how many of these cards do we buy, and yep. it's going to be a little wishy-washy because it is influenced by price, like. Yep. If there's a Mythic that I think is standard playable, but it's pre-ordering at $25, and I don't think it's, like, a particularly huge staple, I'm not going to buy any of them, probably. Right. Commons that are borderline, I'm probably just going to buy because they're common, and I don't want to worry about picking them up at drafts and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we're not, like, rating these cards out of four or anything like that. We're taking the price into account, and hopefully that helps people figure out what they might want to pre-order, so... And the way I'm going to do it is I'm not specking on stuff. I'm not trying to make a bunch of money. I'm probably not going to buy more than four of any card because I'm buying the cards that I want to have in my box so I can play standard. Right. And, you know, lend them out to my friends who are playing different standard decks for me. Not buying high volume of a particular card no. so that we can sell it for value later. No. That's, that's not, just, really what, not really what we're interested in. Yeah. Not what I'm about. Maybe if at some point we establish that we're really good at this. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get yeah. some practice in. Right. Uh, It'll be the, you know, <laughs> we'll have a little market analysis yeah. uh, <laughs> section of the podcast. But that's not what we're doing right now. Uh, so I'm pretty much picking up the stuff that I think I'm going to play. Anything that I think that we might play, but I but we think is just like overvalued right now, you know, mythics that are niche playables but are ten dollars or whatever are just not going to make the cut. Yeah, um, we'll pick them up later if they go up. Oh well, we missed out. Sure. Um, but the thing we're trying to do here is just not miss out on Teferis and Rekindling Phoenixes and Hydroid Crisises. Yeah. The main thing and side bonus is I get the commons and uncommons in my box so I don't have to go scrounging for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Always a nice feeling. Absolutely. We are not going to do the whole set. We have, you know, the past several sets we switched to doing full set reviews in one episode just because of scheduling and stuff. Um, we're going to split this one up. So today we are going to go through uh, white, blue, and black. And then next week we're going to do the red and the green, the multicolored cards, the colorless cards, and the lands. Yeah. And so I don't want to waste really any time because we got a lot of cards <laughs> all right, to get All right, card there. number one. <laughs> Let's go. All right, it is not an exciting one. Well, all right, bummer. <laughs> it is not even a new one. This is Defiant Strike. This is a reprint from Khans. It is one white mana for a common instant. Target creature gets plus one plus O oh until end of turn. Draw a card. I would not have put this into the playable cards, except we've got really strong potential for a heroic deck existing. 
Yes. Given some of the cards in this set. So I'm yeah. thinking Feather. I'm thinking the Red White 2-2 Haste that gets a plus one plus one counter when you target it. Mm-hmm. And this feels like a glue card to me. I feel like, I can't remember exactly which card we were evaluating, but I was like, oh man, if we got something like Defiant Strike back, <laughs> then, you know, that would be a perfect synergy with this card. And sure enough, here it is. Yeah. I mean, it was probably Feather that we were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Because with Feather, you just... On each player's turn, you get to pay white to draw a card if you have one of these in your hand. Amazing. That's really good. Yeah. And that was the key to the heroic deck working, you know, and you may have your own evaluation of how good the heroic deck, you know, people d- like to argue about whether it was a real deck or not, but... Oh, it was a real deck. It was a real deck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you could kill people very quickly. And once people started putting Den Protector in their deck, <sighs> shout out to Dylan and Carrie, yeah. <laughs> uh, that really broke things wide open. I'll, I'll be honest, I was not able to take magic very seriously at that specific point in time, because I was like right in it in law school, so I missed out on a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, so I'm kind of weirdly excited to try a cheesy heroic deck. So. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's good. Every You have a phase in your magic career where you're going to play that kind of archetype. And Oh god, <laughs> shouldn't I have passed that at it's, this point? It's a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, you know, it, it happens earlier or late. You know, it, it, it doesn't really. <laughs> yeah. But so this is like a card advantage enabler for that deck. The way that like Ordeal of Thassa helped sometimes just draw multiple cards, keep you fu- fueled up. This is going to do a similar thing. Yeah. And it'll be yeah. great. Right. I mean, you know, as long as this card does a little bit more in your deck than just cycle and give your creature a power for a turn, then it definitely has the potential to be a pretty strong role player in one of those decks. Yeah. Easy buying four of their 10 cents a piece because they're common. Got it. All right, next is Finale of Glory. This is X white white for a sorcery. Create X 2-2 white soldier creature tokens with vigilance. If X is 10 or more, also create X 4-4 white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. This feels like more or less trinket text. This is pretty much X white white make X 2-2s. Yeah. Which is, I mean, depending on how the archetypes shape out, potentially a very strong card. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a deck that really wants to go long, you could you could do this for X equals like five in the late game, and that's get ten power for one card. That's a lot. Yeah, it doesn't scale particularly in line with like what we expect at these mana costs <laughs> from constructed playable cards. Yeah. Uh three two twos for five mana is not great. Yeah. Two two twos for four mana is not great. Right. Um the, you know, you get flexibility out of it. I'm not picturing a deck that I want to put this card into right now. Yeah. Um, same. I, I think that it's worse than the convoke version the mix one ones yeah march of the multitudes um, is filling this space a yeah, lot right it's going to be pretty tough to kind of overcome that i think in terms of like having top end x spell mm-hmm. um and you're right uh, it doesn't curve very well at the lower casting costs this card is just not constructed playable mm-hmm. you, you're never going to want to cast it for one or two you yeah. know three we're kind of starting to maybe get there but you really want to be casting this card for four or more and it's you know, in aggro matchups, maybe it gives you a couple of blockers early on, and that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. In, like, control matchups, once you're paying an amount of mana that you actually get something out of it, you're mostly just giving your opponent an opportunity to do something to you. Yes, um, absolutely. And that's not great. Yeah. 650 right now, I am not going to pre-order any of this card, I don't think. I think that's a good call. It's just too many unknowns. We don't know if this card is going to see any play at all. Right. Yeah, we'll just wait on it. Yeah. So there is probably going to be some typing that you guys hear because I unfortunately have a mechanical keyboard and I'm going to try to cut most of it out. 
Yeah. But it's there's there's gonna be some. <laughs> Next up is this is a more exciting mythic to me. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, this could be in the running for strongest card in the set in my mind. I, I you know, I don't disagree. Yeah. This is Gideon Blackblade, Mythic Planeswalker, one and two white, four loyalty. As long as it's your turn, Gideon Blackblade is a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to Gideon Blackblade during your turn. Plus one, up to one other target creature you control gains your choice of vigilance, lifelink, or indestructible until end of turn, and minus six, exile target non-land permanent. This card is very strong in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think it slots really, really well into the white weenie shell that we already have. Mm-hmm. You can protect it pretty well by giving another one of your dudes indestructible, and then you just like have a blocker that's going to be around. Yeah. Y- you know, if you're playing this in white weenie shell, you're going to have other creatures around to protect it. And not only are you going to have other creatures around to protect it, but the way that the game plays out is going to be where you are going to be the aggressor. You're going to be putting pressure on your opponent, and if they do have creatures, they're not really going to be able to afford to attack your Gideon. Mm-hmm. And if they are doing that, and even if they like make an all-out attack to kill your Gideon, great, that's fine, because then you can crack back and you're likely winning the race just based on you know how the context of the game is going to play out. Yeah, it definitely is battling a little bit with History of Benalia, for this like spot in your deck. It'll be interesting to see which of the three drop powerful cards come out on top. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of them. I mean, history is busted, of course, so we know this. There's also Benelish Marshall. Yep. So you can't really have too many threes. Honestly, the way the white decks are built, you you can't afford to have too many twos right now. Right, know? right. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about like 16 uh, one drops right. right now. As long as it's got text and costs one mana, like it has a chance of making the white weenie deck. Right, right, right. right. But more mana yeah. than that. We'll have to starts... keep an eye out for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> commons just came out. We'll have to take a look. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think this card is very, very strong. I, I do too. Uh, certainly the most expensive card we looked at. True. Looks like $17. With shipping included, that's good. I don't have to pay for shipping. Um, I kind of just want to buy four of this card. I think $17 is a good deal for this card. Mm-hmm. It could go one of two ways. It could end up seeing not really any play mm-hmm. in the, the White Weenie Shells just because people determine that History of Benalia and Benelish Marshall are just better cards in that slot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if that's true, then the price of the card will probably go down to $8. Or it could be a four of in that deck, and then the price is going to go up to forty dollars. Yep. So, you know, it's it has higher room in my mind to go up in price. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's justifiable to make that gamble. Yeah, and you know what, history of Benalia rotates out a year before this card does. So very true, very true. Yeah. So that's it's not unlikely that there will be a point in standard where everybody's going to want these. Yep. And and I mean, you if we're banking on that. You really want to pick them up when they're $8, but I just, it feels unlikely to me that that happens. And if it does, yeah, it does. And, you know, even if it dips and then goes back up, then, you know, whatever. You're still fine. (laughs) Still made money. So, yeah, I'm locking in for four. That's just going to happen. I guess I should be adding these to my cart, huh? We're, we're doing a live. Yeah, yeah. Doing Chris's a live. cart is growing as as we go. <laughs> oh man, Just th- tossing this paycheck out the window. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we didn't really talk about the terms of how I'm doing this. I'm not specking. I'm not trying to make a mint. I'm trying to have the standard cards that I'm going to need to play standard without having to like constantly be trying to figure out where to get cards. Yeah. 
that's that's the goal here. And if stuff is overpriced, I won't get it. But other than that, I'm, I'm just going to be picking stuff up for me to play with and lend to my friends. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we've got Gideon's Triumph. This is one and a white for an instant. Target creature sacrifices a creature that attacked or blocked this turn. If you control a Gideon Planeswalker, that player sacrifices two of those creatures instead. Borderline. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fine combat trick. I, it, it's going to be very difficult for this to see any play over any of the other two mana white removal spells. Yeah. I'd probably pass on this card for now in terms of pre-ordering. It's yeah. just, it's so hard to speculate whether or not this card is going to be played and constructed at all so it just doesn't feel like i want to play it over seal away and i just exactly. don't really want to play seal away right so yeah. seal away or even just baffling it right you know i think is kind of a better slot for white is deck. much more concerned with removing blockers right now than like removing right. attackers yeah. and uh, yeah i mean it's 12 cents so like whatever you can pick some yeah. up i'm just not gonna bother yeah and it will always be about twelve cents. In my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this isn't like one of those uncommons that spikes up to two dollars. It's just not going to happen. I agree. Next up, we've got a much more interesting card. This is God Eternal Oketura. This is three and two white for a legendary creature, Zombie God. It's a three six double strike. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four four black Zombie Warrior creature token with vigilance. When God Eternal Aketra dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So this is the new God Immortality mechanic. Yeah. It would die. if it, Even if it would be exiled, it gets to fairy tucked instead, basically. Right. right. I, I've definitely seen people, I think, evaluating that way too high. This card, yeah. Just the, the God ability. Oh, sure. Right. Like, I... I understand the concept of, like, you know, we have effectively a higher threat density against a deck that's trying to remove all of our stuff mm-hmm. if this is, if this type of creature is one of the threats that we're presenting. Yeah. You're still losing the card. Right. Yeah, you got to remember that it's this isn't card advantage. Yeah. It's, not, it's not being picked up from our graveyard into our hand or anything. It's going back into our library, and it's going to cost a draw step to mm-hmm. get it back. It's not card advantage. Yeah. You know, it does add an interesting element to the game where... You know, if you're playing against a deck that is an answers deck mm-hmm. and they need to get rid of things, then, you know, it can be an annoyance because they're going to just know that you're going to draw like a decent card every three draw steps. But it, you're going to do that anyways. You know, it's they, just that's just how your decks are constructed. Those are decks that and then the control decks choose to activate to vary for to choose to minus to fairy on targets that are dangerous. Right, so it's course. not like. Like, this is an incredibly powerful thing. Yeah. That said, given... So, the card itself, you're getting, you're paying five mana for a better than a 6-6, six, six, a 3-6 double strike. Yeah. And then this trigger, whenever you cast a creature spell, create a 4-4 four, four token. That's a lot of power. It feels very... If you're casting more creatures after you've untapped with your five mana threat, I feel like you have already gotten the game into a very good spot for yourself. Yeah. This is kind of like a fixed Scarab God sort of thing where you can run out of gas for it or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Some people have been talking about playing it in like a green-white shell mm-hmm. where they just want to have like a big thing. But this card at five mana is just not as strong as the other green or white five drops that we have yeah. access to. So, yeah, I would probably pass on pre-ordering any of these. This is one of the cards that we could be like wrong about and it sure. ends up like seeing play and going up in price. But... I think the likelihood of that happening is pretty low, mm-hmm. so I'd probably 
not pick up any of these. Right? Yeah, it looks like it's about $9. I just don't want yeah. to invest that into this type of, you know, right. five mana. Like This is one of those mythics that I could easily see being like $2 or $3 like yep. later on in the format. So Yep. Next up, we have Ignite the Beacon, which I initially ignored, and then I read the type line. <laughs> so this yeah. is four and a white mana. Search your library for up to two Planeswalker cards. Reveal them. Put them into your hand, then shuffle your library, and it's an instant. This kind of card is always a sorcery, it feels like. It's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's card advantage, and you're guaranteed to get Planeswalkers, so mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, pretty significantly better than a draw two, in my mind. Yes. So, the problem for me, though, with this card is that, kind of looking at it from a standard context, is it's really tough for me to figure out a deck that you would want to play this in. Yeah. Like... Are you playing it? I think the best case scenario is that you end up playing it in a kind of like a Abzani mid-range Planeswalker heavy, mm-hmm. you know, Grindfest deck. Yep. And then, you know, you have a card that represents two Planeswalkers, which is pretty powerful late game mm-hmm. as long as you're trading resources aggressively. Um, but is that better than just having a five mana Planeswalker Honestly, in your Honestly, I would just rather in that slot have a five mana Planeswalker. Yeah. Just draw it. I get to cast it. This turn, you know, it's probably a Teferi. <laughs> right, so here's the thing about the five mana Planeswalkers, is yeah. each turn they're in play, that's an extra card. Yes. So if you cast a Teferi and then untap with a Teferi, you're up a card. You've drawn two cards. Ignite the Beacon yeah. draws you two cards, and yeah. th- you don't have a Teferi in play. Yeah. You know, the way Planeswalkers work is sort of like casting it is a tempo loss and then yeah. you get it back by the power and card advantage of the Planeswalker, this, like, doubles down on that. Right. So, To me, this screams Commander card. Yeah, so I, I think so. It's currently only 40 cents, and if you're into, like, speculating, then this card, if it, like, catches wind in Commander, mm-hmm. could go up to, like, a dollar. Yeah, that's just so, not what I'm... But that's not really what we're here for. We're trying to, we're trying to pre-order cards that we're going to play in Standard, so... Right. The only reason that I am now putting two into my cart... Oh. is because there's a very limited amount of ways to get instant speed card advantage in Magic anymore. It's just okay. not something they really give us. It's very specifically like four mana draw twos. Yeah. This does it in a different way. It does make you then rely on Planeswalkers, which are one of our standard ways of getting card advantage. But the Planeswalkers in this set are so weird that the tutoring effect, you might be able to get a bunch of different effects. So I don't have high hopes for this card, but I will spend 80 cents to have them in my box for in case I need to run them for some reason. Yeah, and honestly, you do bring up a good point there that I kind of skimmed over at first, which is that there are a lot of planeswalkers with a lot of different abilities that you can find. So if you're viewing this more as like a put this in my deck to have like you know, potentially... A toolbox of... Uh, yeah, a toolboxy kind of effect of just like, you know, I want to find this Planeswalker because it's good in this scenario mm-hmm. or this Planeswalker because it's good... You know, there might be enough Planeswalkers now to make right. that viable. Whether or not that's going to be like a standard deck, it's a whole other question, but... If I'm playing Esper Control and I pass the turn and at my end step, my opponent casts Ignite the Beacon, that puts me in a really rough spot because like I could counter it, but then I might not be able to counter their sorcery speed threat their big because their deck is probably full of planeswalkers yeah so it's potentially rough i don't think it's great though definitely don't have the highest hopes yeah all right next up we've got prison realm this is two and a white for an uncommon enchantment when prison realm enters the battlefield exile target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls until prison realm leaves the battlefield 
When Prison Realm enters the battlefield, scry one. So, O-ring for just creatures and planeswalkers, but that's still a lot more than just creatures, and you get a scry attached to it. Yeah. Being able to hit planeswalkers might become very important mm-hmm. in this set. Like, having your removal spells, like your Vrastus Contempts, and... Do we have a three mana? Do we have, like, a Doomfall effect? I feel like we do. We but... have Bedevil. Yeah. Um, I think that those kinds of cards are really going to go up in value because you want to be able to kind of diversify your removal spell in that way. Agreed. So it's it's very realistic that this kind of card is going to become really important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe Mono White needs something like that. We do have other. We do have a, a good number of other cards that do this in other colors, but mm-hmm. yep. Prison Realm might just be an important piece for some decks. And and you can't underrate the Scry. Just getting one Scry on your removal spell that's always nice. Looks like people are respecting that. It is about a dollar. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick up three. I think. Yeah. It's not super likely that you want to go all the way up to three. And you do have to keep in mind as well that Mortify is a heavily played removal spell and should probably keep being pretty heavily played. Yeah. And having their removal spells being able to... Like, if they play a Teferi, Prison Realming it is not great. Because yeah. then they have three mana Teferis in their deck. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of instant speed Planeswalkers. Yeah. yeah. Problem. <laughs> right. And that's one reason why, like, Ixalan's Binding has seen so little play, despite being quite powerful. Is right. That's just pretty disastrous for you when that happens. Yeah. Agreed. All right, next one. This is this one's a hilarious one. Rally of Wings. One and a white for an instant. Untap all creatures you control. Creatures you control with flying get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Two mana overrun if every creature in your deck has flying. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we want to if we want to play the... Oh, what's the blue two-man enchantment that anthems all your flying creatures? Favorable wins. Yeah, if you want to play your favorable wins deck, this could be a card that you could be interested in. Yeah, and I don't know if favorable wins has not seen play because there aren't enough favorable wins effects <laughs> or because we just don't really have the flying creature base to make it work. Yeah. I, I mean, suspect it's that one. The closest thing we have is mono blue. Which just doesn't standard, need an effect like this. Which, which, yeah, which is the power level of that deck way supersedes mm. something like favorable wins or rally of wings. Right. So, right. You don't um, want to be spending mana on things like this. Because yeah. you're not trying to... This is just not the philosophy of the deck. However, at 10 cents... You better believe <laughs> we're going play, all play in. These. Chris is going to buy four. I'm never going to cast this card, <laughs> but but he's going to have four of them in his there's box. A, there's a shot. Like that, giving your whole team plus two plus two for two mana is incredibly powerful. Yeah, you know we and maybe this breaks it wide open. Who knows? Yeah, I mean we played Pride of Conquerors for a time, and if in your deck you just don't even need the city's blessing to make this a Pride of Conquerors, and right. also it untaps all your creatures. I don't know. It's possible. You know, maybe something with Thopters, Dovenbon, something. I'm hearing you. Absolutely. The problem, the biggest problem for me is that this feels like a monocolored deck is going to want to play something like this. And white does not feel like it has the support for mm-hmm. a card like this. I just don't think that white is going to be able to su- supply no, enough. This is cheap. definitely like a white blue. It's definitely going to be a white blue gold card. So it makes me a little skeptical because it's just going to be harder to pull off. Yep, I agree. Just from like a deck building perspective. Um, and that's something that we're probably going to mention a little more too when it comes to... I, I'm specifically thinking of a couple of the multicolored aggressive cards. 
as right now, the standard is very clearly divided between if you want to play one drops, you need to be monocolored. Yes. Because that's how the lands work. Right. Plus, being monocolored is just great. It's amazing. But yeah, you get to play all basic lands. That's yep. the best land in the game. <laughs> They're so good. Yeah. And <laughs> and we have specific payoffs for being monocolored in Benelish, Marshall, Goblin Chain, Whirler, Tempest, Jin. Yeah. That, that just really reward you. So any aggressive card that requires you to be two colored is a pretty high cost. And I, I think that's a really good point you bring up. Yeah. But, and especially given, whoops, that's not going to find us. Oh, it did totally find us. <laughs> Just typed in Ravnica and it brought up this card. Hey. Ravnica at war. Three and a white sorcery. Exile all multicolored permanents. So, you know, big cost for being multicolored. Now you've got a hoser in the format. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one's interesting. Kind of trying to look at it from a standard playable prospect. You know, it's... It's only 27 cents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't go too wrong. Nope. But the likelihood of this being a card that is going to see significant play in standard is so low. Very low. There's got to be a very specific deck, and you're going to be sideboarding this in against, like, if Mardu, Hero of Precinct 1, becomes a thing or something like that. Right. And, you know, and even then, you're going to have one to two in your sideboard. Mm -hmm. If, like, if there is a you know, hugely popular multicolored yeah. strategy. Yeah. And it doesn't really pay you. It's still four mana. You're not, like, getting a huge tempo bump right. out of it unless you have a bunch of stuff that's surviving when you sweep them. Mm-hmm. And add one. That's sure. that's all. That, that'll do me. Yeah. Just in case. All right. Next one. Single combat. Three and two white. Sorcery. Each player chooses a creature or planeswalker they control, then sacrifices the rest. Players can't cast creature or planeswalker spells until the end of your next turn. So we talked about this before, but you cast it, you each keep one thing of your choice. They get a turn, they can't cast creatures or planeswalkers. You get a turn, you can't cast creatures or planeswalkers. And then you pass and the game goes back to normal. Right. Works really well with Teferi. If you have it in play already. If you have it in play already. Yes. So you have your Teferi in play already. You cast this card. They keep their thing. You tuck it. <laughs> You're good. Golden. You're all set. Next turn, tick up, pass the turn. You did it. You won. Yep. <laughs> right. That's that's Teferi's win condition, by the way. It's just being able to tick up on an empty board. Yeah, then it's you're you're over. It's, it's so disheartening. Yeah. If your only way to deal with Teferi. Then you is can't attacking. even cast any spells then. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know how many of the Teferi's five mana. I don't know how many of these five mana things you can be putting into a deck. Yep. But there's also other cool things you can do with single combat. Like, you do really want to be playing this in a deck where you have a thing to keep. That's pretty important. But you don't want your deck to have a ton of creatures and planeswalkers because you want your turn of not being able to cast creatures and planeswalkers to be fine for you. And that might mean because you're casting some crazy thing like a divine visitation or a an immortal sun or something like that. Right. I don't know. This card is neat. Time to check the price. Okay, 25 cents. We're just going to we're just going to go ahead and add 3 cuz I think 75 cents is is a totally fine investment in the off chance that I want to do this at some point. Yeah. It's not really ever going to go down from there. No, it, it's a rare. How yeah. like with weird Casual applications, too. Yeah. So, not that I'm ever selling these for a quarter. <laughs> right. They're yeah. much more useful at gathering you dust gotta, in my box. <laughs> you gotta get a quarter. You know? 
Um, but yeah, I would enjoy casting this card, which is enough for me to get a couple. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Next up, we've got Tomic, Distinguished Advocist. This is... This is a weird one. This text is very specifically targeted. <laughs> yep. Two white for a 2-3 flying. Lands on the battlefield and land cards in graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. Your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. So it turns off... Crucible of Worlds. Crucible of Worlds. Uh-huh. Yeah, in standard, it turns off Crucible of Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Endless. Ramanop Excavator. Okay, that card exists. <laughs> that's that's not a standard card. That's uh, that's from Amonkit Block. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think from our... I don't know which set it's from, but yes. Yeah. It turns off Crucible of Worlds. Yeah, which is in standard. Yeah, but... <laughs> but Let's let's extend our gaze a All little right. bit. All uh, right, fine, if we must. Okay, we turn off Wasteland, we yep. turn off Ghost Quarter. Yep. It only turns off opposing stuff. Your Wastelands are still on. Yep. Um, turns off opposing Life from the Loams. Yep. Turns off... I mean, those are really the main things, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It is like a lands hoser. The thing that's, like, really kind of bumming me out about it is that you cannot fetch this with Recruiter of the Guard in Death and Taxes. True. Because it has three yeah. toughness. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does a good job shutting off things like loam and stuff. Mm-hmm. It feels a little weaker than in, you know, initially looking at it, though, just because you, if you're playing Death and Taxes, Wasteland is significantly less of a problem. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, you want to keep you your Karakas a lot just in this yeah. kind of matchup. I mean, you have swords, so like their Merit Lage is not. Like, it's hard to die to Merit Lage from Death and Taxes. You know, if you really understand how the Death and Taxes matchup plays out against Mm -hmm. lands, this is just not an effect that you're really looking for. Because it's not stopping the things you're the most worried about. Right. Which is mostly, like, getting Punishing fired. True. And also, double white in Death and Taxes is tough. It's kind of hard. It's it's surprisingly (laughs) tough. Yeah. So, you know, especially on two. Viling this in in response to... Like, some things could be pretty sweet. Like, you know, really get your... If you vile in in response to a Wasteland activation. Yeah, I mean, sounds great. good. Or even just in response to a Life from the Loam. Just like, yeah, counter yeah, that. counter that. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah, don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Also, this is in standard. We can ignore, you know, two paragraphs of text. And this is just a two-mana, two-three flyer. Sure. If, the, if we're specifically... You know, the, that two-mana 2-2 two, two flyer from the Planeswalker deck or the intro deck or whatever, people were at times putting it in. Having three toughness means that this survives minus two, minus two effects. It fits is, into your um, mono-white flyers deck. Fits into my mono-white yeah, flyers deck. Yeah, it's a start. Yeah, um, it's happening. But I do think, specifically, like, this is a two-drop that survives Cry of the Carnarium. It's mm-hmm. the only one that does. Yeah. It happens to have flying it may just be the right two mana threat for certain ways you want to attack the metagame. It's definitely got some potential. So it is legendary, so I don't think you can ever jam four of this in your deck. Right. But at 50 cents, this card has enough upside that I, I'm just going to buy three. For me, I would buy two. Yeah. But three is reasonable. Not on. Yeah. I mean, for eternal format purposes, yeah. I think two is plenty. Exactly. If you ever are in a metagame where you're like, there's so many. I guess if you're ever in a metagame that you're like, there's so many cries of the Carnarium around, you just don't play mono white. So yeah, that yeah. may be the, the downfall <laughs> the, of this particular line solution. of thought. <laughs> but three in the cart. Two might be smarter. 
<laughs> Next up, we've got Topple the Statue. Two and a white for an instant. Tap target permanent. If it's an artifact, destroy it. Draw a card. Yeah, I mean, it's this card is fine. I would be very surprised if it ever saw play and constructed. Yeah, I mean, I believe that we will see multiple sideboards with one copy of this card in the sideboard. Okay. It's just a shatter that draws you a card, and sometimes that's going to be enough. I also have a sneaking suspicion that we are getting seeded for some artifact stuff coming up. Gotcha. Just, All right. So, you know, not that that means invest in this common kind of expensive <laughs> removal spell. Yeah. But I'm going to just have one just in case I manage not to pick any up while drafting and stuff and need one for my sideboard at one point. Deal. And I believe that's all the white cards. Yeah. So started on a low note, ended on a low note. <laughs> uh, but, you know, some definitely some heavy hitters in, in white. I think that Gideon is going to be really strong. Yep. So, so far we've spent about $75. About 68 of that is Gideon's. Yep. So that's about right, though. Yeah, sounds about right. All right. Let's move on to blue. Do you want to read these cards? Sure. Great. Oh, first, first we're starting off with a banger. It is. Augur of Bolas. So for those unaware, Augur of Bolas is reprint. It's uh, one and a blue for a 1-3. says, when Augur of Bolas enters the battlefield, look at the top three cards of your library and just put them on the bottom. <laughs> that, yeah, people it. are so pumped about this card, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all. It's crazy. No, um, uh, it, you may reveal an instant or sorcery from among them and put it into your hand. Uh, and put the rest on the bottom of your library in, or, in any order. This is going to be a defining card of the standard metagame. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think this card is... Definitely strong enough to see play. The control decks are going to love to have this card in their deck. Um, just a 1-3 body for two that kind of impulses is phenomenal. Yep. You're going to miss sometimes. I think if you have... Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sometimes. So here's, here's, here's the way it is. I believe if you have 24 spells in your deck, you're 80% to hit. I think is correct. I, it sounds reasonable. So that means that one out of every five augers of bolus. I don't remember if, if you're 80 or 85% to hit, yeah. but one out of every five or six augers of bolus, is, you're just going to miss entirely. Yeah. And that means that one out of every 25 to 30 something aug- times, you're going to miss twice in a row and you're just going to want to die. <laughs> yeah. But this fills in a gap being a two mana play one, three body against all the two ones in white weenie, against the one ones and two twos in mono red. No, the body is phenomenal in this format. It really is. It it just makes a huge difference. And this is a thing that like, this is why Grixis, it's a thing you see all the time on arena and you never see it in real tournaments. It just, you can't just thought erasure on turn two. Right. Or have a point removal spell when your opponent just put three creatures into play. Right. Like that doesn't work. Yeah. This does. Yeah. And, you know, even just the number of times that my opponent has had a druid of the cowl out and I'm playing mono white, it's such a bummer. <laughs> like, they go, all right, tur- they're on the play because I crushed them game one. And then they go, all right, turn two, druid of the cowl. And I'm like, oh, I can't make any attacks. Right. This is terrible. <laughs> you and know? then your opponent's at 20 mm-hmm. when you finally untap with your venerated loxodon and your pump board and, like... Yeah. You can finally start attacking, right. and then they're just like, Vraska's Contempt, dear guy. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. Or cast Nexus of Fate, you know, whatever. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess the Druid of the Cowl is in the Nexus of Fate. Right, yeah. Deck. That's what I was thinking. But, yeah, it, yeah. you know, for sure. So, yep. Um, I'm sure that I have some of these lying around. I don't... I kind of like this art, so I'm going to pick up a playset. 12 cents. Sure. Great. All right. Next up, we've got Callus Dismissal. Uh, so this is an interesting one. So it's one in a blue for a sorcery. 
Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, and you amass one. Honestly, I put this on there because I thought it was an instant. Oh, well, I, I still think it's interesting. <laughs> it's not very often that you get a body alongside a bounce spell. Yeah. Um, at, at like a at two constructed... Mana. Right, exactly. Um, you know, that's definitely like a three-mana blue effect in my mind. Right. Is, you know, the mana war effects. Mm-hmm. And it can also hit any permanent. Yep. So, you know, if there's going to be just like, you know, white enchantment removal floating around, this card seems decent. Mm-hmm. I could totally see a card like this fitting pretty well into the sideboard of mono blue. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I like it much better than like Into the Royal right. a deck like that that just can't afford the... The, the the you never pay the kicker on that card. Right. So I definitely don't mind it. Even at a sorcery, I think that it's I think that it's fine um and has potential to see play. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely I read it as an instant and I was like, damn it this card feels really like good. It's, oh if it was an instant, oh my god, this card would be crazy good. Yep. Uh, but I think it's appropriately been statted to be a, a sorcery. It doesn't exist. Though. It doesn't exist on TCG Player. It's a common. I'll pick some up. It's not going to be very expensive. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Um, this one is not a common. Your mileage may vary on this next one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one is uh, Commence the End Game. So it's four blue blue. So six mana instant. Uh, this spell can't be countered. Draw two cards, then amass X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So this this one's pretty tough to evaluate. I think this one definitely fits in the category of amass cards that I'm just not sure about. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of those cards. Oh, by so the way. most of the amass <laughs> right, cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really depends on how many cards you have in your hand. Is going to be how good this card is. Because so it has it's it's an instant. So you you can kind of evaluate it as like a flash creature mm-hmm. of some variety. Yes. Um, minimum of two two. Uh, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It it really depends on how big the creature is that you're going to have that is going to you know make or break this card. So mm-hmm. if you're expecting to be happy to cast this card with two other cards in your hand, you're getting a four four. That's pretty good, actually. Um, you know, you're, if you're like a control deck and you're playing against just like a creature beatdown, you can you can pretty reliably draw two cards and trade for a creature. Mm-hmm. So in that context, I actually think I like this a lot. And it has the potential of being in one of those win more scenarios where you have plenty of cards in your hand and you make this large thing and eat their biggest guy and that's the dream scenario. But yeah, you were going to win that game anyways. You got yeah. to six mana, you were able to cast your draw spell. And that's kind of my problem with the card is generally when the more cards you have in hand, the less you want to cast a card drawing spell. Right. And this card improves as you have more cards in hand, which on the one hand like kind of balances out that drawback of casting card draw when you have... But you just don't want... If I have six cards in my hand, like I want to be casting... Things that are stopping my opponent's game plan or advancing my game plan. Mm. And I mean, I guess this does have a body attached, so that that might count. But it just isn't very exciting to me when I have like five or six cards in my hand right. to do this. And I'm, I'm trying to put myself in kind of like the context of, okay, I'm playing a control deck. I'm losing. Mm-hmm. I got to my six mana and I can cast my six mana spell. It's likely if I'm if I'm losing the game that I don't have very many other cards in my hand. Yeah. So th- the body that this creates being like a 3-3 three, three or a 2-2 two, two, needs to be relevant mm-hmm. in that context. And in a standard in the current standard format, 
I just don't think that that body is going to be relevant enough at to that justify point playing in the game. a card like this. Yeah. yeah. You know, honestly, I think that this card is infinitely worse than just the four mana draw two that we have with um, Jumpstart. Yeah, Chemistry's Insight, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that card's crazy good. Yeah, the card but, is uh, <laughs> you very know. good. But this card justifying a slot over that card right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think know. that's the slot in the deck that it takes up. The way that this looks to me is mostly, it reads like a Torrential Gearhulk that can only cast a draw two from your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And that's not a thing that I'm particularly excited right. about. It's it's kind of only happens in the scenarios where you're already winning. Right. But, right, exactly. Like, like the, the cool thing about Torrential Gearhulk is you keep it up and you can deal with anything. Right. Um, and this... This does create similar situations where, like, opponents are really leery about attacking into a bunch of open mana, and that's kind of nice. And I've definitely had smart people talking about this card and saying, you know, don't sleep on it. I'm just not quite seeing it myself. Mm-hmm. 66 cents, 75 cents, it looks like. I'm going to buy two. Yeah. It seems hard for it's, me to believe that I, mean, I would want more than that in a deck. It's certainly cheap enough to justify buying. Yeah. At 75 cents, there is a chance that, you know, I'm just completely wrong about this card and the control decks are all going to want to play like two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes up to $2 or whatever. So, And then I'll have made a killing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're in for. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty skeptical about this card being very good. I, I'm also pretty skeptical. Uh, next up, we have a kind of a more interesting one. It's, I'm gonna, is this conscientious plan? It's contentious plan. Contentious plan. Damn. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> the, so for some of these, I accidentally grabbed like the low res versions, so they become much harder to read okay, than yeah. the the better the higher res. Contentious ones, plan. Yes. Um. So it's a one in a blue sorcery. It has proliferate and draw a card. If you're in a deck that cares about proliferate, I think this card is strong Mm -hmm. you know two mana cantrip is fine but you know if you can turn that into a good amount of value in other contexts then all of a sudden i would love to have a lot of these in my deck you know yeah and it really messes up planeswalker math too Mm -hmm. if you have a planeswalker that's ticking up to an ultimate you know and they're trying to figure out what you know what sort of resources they need to put at attacking it when they need to divert damage to it they kind of can't optimize that the way you normally would given the risk of this card right you know and like you could just chain them on like your your crux turn you yeah. could be like all right you know you thought i was too like a turn or two away from ultimate planeswalker but cast two contentious plans yeah and gotcha right so you know it it's not a in a high powered card and on its own like cycling this turn two is like going to be pretty bad it's going to feel pretty lousy against aggressive decks and stuff right when you have to do it but there's potential for this to be pretty important and you know if you're also in a deck where your creatures come with plus one plus one counters or something like that then this gets extra application there right less likely in blue but possible well you know simic is uh of course a, a pretty good True. plus one plus one counters matter yep. strategy i think that this card is going to be a pretty high pick in limited mm-hmm. i i think I think this card will be criminally underrated for the first couple of weeks yeah. of this limited format. I think this, yeah, this card is definitely very strong in limited. Not only could you do, like, plus one, plus one counter theme, and then all of a sudden this card is just Anthem My Team, which is insane. Mm-hmm. The synergy that it has with Planeswalkers, which you will have in your deck in yep. limited, is very strong. Yep. Any deck that wants this wants four of it. At, at, it's a common, so I'm going to pick up four at 12 cents or whatever. Yeah, and sure. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it never really gets there, 
But because of the possibility, you got to have him around. This next card, though. Sure. Oh, man. Okay, so this is where I realized why Chris wanted me to read out the blue cards. <laughs> <laughs> I can say this one for you. Next up, we have... <laughs> Are you supposed to do the sound? I just say fibble thip. Fibble thip? No, of course, it's just a... <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's I think that's what it's supposed to represent. Yep. I mean that makes a lot of sense. The loss well, it makes like a painful amount of sense to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, fiddle What is that? that so, it makes so much sense. more sense as <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's true. I can't disagree with you. But I can't I also can't do that every time I cast this guy. Oh well that's what you sign up for. And I'm gonna cast this guy like a lot. Uh alright. Well you better be ready because your favorite homunculus is coming. Is coming. He's on his way. Oh, Alright, no. Collins, what does this card do? <laughs> we need to recover. <laughs> I can't. Alright. Okay. <laughs> the lost. <laughs> yes, what does it do? There's one in a blue for a 1-1. One, one. <laughs> okay. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. If it entered from your library or was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. Yeah. When it becomes a target of a spell, shuffle it into its owner's library. See how right. I managed to not say the name, <laughs> what a, even though it appears what like a, four what times what in its text. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this card's good. Yeah. I mean, Elvish Visionary in blue, mm-hmm. being legendary, doesn't really hurt yeah. it that much. Does weird stuff when you get it out of your library with like Vanifar or whatever. You get an extra card out of it. But honestly, just kind of evaluating this as blue Elvish Visionary, you know, that's that's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty strong actually. Um, I mean, the creature type is an important part of Elvish Visionary, but true. in standard, yeah, Elvish Visionary saw play is just a thing on turn two, right? You know, all it really needs is just a deck that cares about having a body around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of decks. Yeah, and so. if for whatever reason Augur of Bolas doesn't really fit in your deck because you have more creatures or whatever, like, this does a job that Augur of Bolas can't pull off. It also is a very cheap legendary creature for things like Mox Amber and also for things with uh, historic triggers. And in particular, I know that there are some, like, Teshar-based combo brews that probably don't get there but this is an enabler but they're that, sweet that yeah and, yeah and i mean this is an enabler that those decks just did not have before right so yeah i i'm just gonna pick up a set of these sure i don't they're they're about a dollar it's interesting and kind of unique enough where and you know it's only it's only a dollar yeah so yeah i'm down to pick up some <laughs> <laughs> great Excellent. All right. Next up, we have Finale of Revelation. So this is one of the finale cycle, and they've all kind of proven themselves to be pretty strong. Yeah, or at least pretty impressive. Yes. So this one is the blue one. It's X blue blue for a sorcery. Draw X cards. If X is 10 or more, instead shuffle your graveyard into your library, draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Uh, it also exiles upon resolution. <laughs> so it's it's the draw spell of the format. The X draw spell of the yeah. format. You know, it's like if you're really looking for super late game, massive card advantage, this is the one for you. Whether or not that's going to see a ton of play is 
I'm kind of skeptical on it, yeah. to be honest. Um, I just, you know, the way that standard plays out these days, especially the standard control decks, they don't really want something like this. Um, and if they do, you, you're only really ever going to want, like, two maximum in your deck. Just, you cast this, and you're against a creature deck, you get run over the next turn. You cast this against a control deck, they play it to fairy, and then they've got counter magic up. Like, yeah. it's just not a, a card that I can visualize casting in most matchups. I don't know, maybe if you're cheating with the land that gives stuff flash and you end step this with Wilderness Reclamation, but we already have that with Expansion Explosions, so I I just don't see this card. Like, the the comparison that I'm most thinking of is, and and this is bad because even I'm not remembering the name of this card. Uh-oh, I'm uh, never going to get there. Which is uh, the X blue blue for an instant, draw X cards, and then discard a card. Oh, Nope. <laughs> Anyways, that card. Yeah. And and yes, that's one fewer card, which is a big deal. Yeah. But it was an instant, which right. is also a really big a huge deal. deal. Huge um, deal. Because that that card saw play in the torrential gear hulk standard days. Right. When um, you couldn't even cast it with pull from tomorrow. Pull from tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't even cast it with gear hulk, and it still like was kind of good enough. Right. Because it was an instant. Mm-hmm. This card is not an instant. This card is not that, an instant. In my main, makes the world a difference. And and pull from tomorrow really didn't see that much play, and it was usually only as like a one of end game card. And also, I, I saw that it saw significantly more play in the like if if there was like a dedicated control player like mm-hmm. Shaheen Sarani, uh, Matt Wright. Mm-hmm. These were two people that I knew pretty much exclusively played control decks in standard. They leaned a little more towards pull from tomorrow than other people. Mm. I found so, which is you know, I don't, I don't really know where my point's going from there, but like we it might wasn't see... a universal adoption. Exactly, it wasn't a universal adoption, and it was kind of like only played by people who really believed that that was an important part of their game plan. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, other people would just go four gear hulks and be done with it. Yeah, exactly. And... So right, so I'm not entirely sure if this is going to be see like regular play, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Shaheen yeah jammed a couple of them in his, totally. his control deck. I'm not going to buy any at $8. I'm not paying $8 for Mindspring. Like, no. that's just not a thing that I'm... Yeah, of course not. ...considering doing. Right. Also that... So most of most of the finales, like, if you do hit the 10, like, they are really impressive. This thing <laughs> just refunds you a couple of yeah. the mana, which is clearly good, but, like, it, is it... Is it that... Is it really that good? It doesn't seem, like, insane, honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sold. Like... The green one, like, overruns your team for 10. Yeah, no, the, the, we'll get to the green one in a minute. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I, I'm off of this one. Next up, we have Flux Channeler. Uh, so it's two and a blue for a 2-2 creature. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, proliferate. Generally, gray ogres with triggered abilities. I'm thinking, like, gutter snipe. Just, just not <clears throat> constructed playable. Not not anymore. It's it's been about seven years since that could have been constructed playable in standard. I think. I think um, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, proliferate. It's it's kind of a cool keyword to have on like a repeatable effect, but it's not really a repeatable effect in the sense that you can just do it over and over again. It's more of a repeatable effect in the sense that you know you get a couple of extra proliferate abilities you yeah. know in your game um i'm not impressed I, i'm i'm really not either it is kind of cool if you cast contentious plan with this in play you get to yeah. proliferate twice oh i mean i i'm, I'm gonna really enjoy playing this card in in, in limited agree absolutely yeah. yeah and and even you know it's cheap but it just 
Like, it's it's an uncommon and it's a quarter, but that's for a reason. I just don't think that this is playable, so I'm just not even going to add any to my cart. Yeah. Agreed. So next up we have God Eternal Kefnet. This is the this is the blue god. It's two blue blue for a 4-5 flying. You may reveal the first cards you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card and you may cast that copy. The copy costs two less to cast. When God Eternal Kefnet dies or is put into the exile from battlefield, you can put it into its owner's library third from the top. So so the body is huge, first of all. It's a four mana, four five flyer. That's really strong in my mind already. It's um, amazing how much that fifth point of toughness feels like it matters. It, yeah, it does a lot. Because like the the cure, Scrying Sphinx, uh, whatever that one is called, uh, Sphinx of... The um, the one that gives you the ley line yeah, the sky three. Yeah. It's a four four. And four four just doesn't seem like a thing that I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. But four five feels a lot closer. And I guess that's mostly because of Lava Coil. But it also just like blocks rekindling Phoenix and stuff like that. Yeah. That, that just feels There's a, a lot surprising more amount of four power flyers mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. So so this thing kind of like is a, a bit of a trump to those. And also the ability that it has is it seems like value. It's kind of tough to figure out exactly what kind of shell mm-hmm. you're going to put this in. I think that, like, in a vacuum, this card is really, really strong. Yeah. But the problem that I'm kind of running against is, like, okay, so we're playing God Eternal Kefnet in a heavy instant and sorcery deck. Mm, it, you know, all of a sudden, like, the, the archetypes that we can slot this into are kind of going down. Like, what are we playing? Some sort of blue mid-rangey tap-out control deck or something? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the problem that I'm having with it. And a lot of the good... So one of the big problems, too, is when you reveal the first card on your turn and it's a counterspell, you don't get to do this. Right. You don't get any advantage out of it. Yeah. So you're trying to run generically powerful instants and sorceries that you can cast kind of regardless of board state. Yeah. So anytime you reveal, like, an opt or something with it, great. Like, that's an extra card. Anytime you reveal, like, a draw two with it, then you get to cast a free, cheap draw two, and that's awesome. But your deck can only have so much card drawing in it. Right. Uh, and this is, a, this counts as one of your card advantage cards, so he's yeah. already, like, counting against your, you know, and he, he buys you, he gets you tempo back because he's got a body. But just, like, you need to be doing something at some point with your spells, and, like, one of the best things Blue does with its spells is counter your opponent's spells. Right. Yeah, you you sideboard into negates in every blue deck, even if you don't run any counter spells. And once you do that, now even though your like quote unquote spell count is high, like your spell count is reduced by the number of like counter spells and situational spells on top of your deck. He doesn't need to draw that many cards to have like really done it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really know what the like density of spells you need in your deck. And the density of, like, spells that are good to reveal at any time. I don't know how high you need to be for this to actually right. feel good. Kind of like the, you know, if I get to create an archetype that is going to magically make this card good, which is not a good idea as, like, a starting point of making decks, just FYI. <laughs> um, you, you don't want to, like, try to create archetypes to make, like, medium cards better. Right. Generally. But, you know, if we're going to do that just for the sake of argument, the... The deck I'm imagining kind of probably involves like uh, an Esper tap out control shell, mm-hmm. where you know you like maybe we'll have some of the the new Tragic Arrogance style card. Yeah, this is good with single um, combat. 
Yeah, single combat, and then, you know, just, like, some removal spells generally is probably what you're looking for, so that as you draw those, mm-hmm. you can, you know, make sure that you're taking care of a lot of your opponent's things. Yep. So, you know, like, if an archetype like that was just already good, yep. then, okay, I could see the slotting in. Sure. Outside of that, it just really depends on how badly blue wants a 4-5 flyer for 4. Right. I am not... I think I'm not a believer enough right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're talking about pre-ordering things, uh, just too many unknowns for this card. It's $10. I don't think that's an insane price Mm -hmm. given possible upside for it. Yeah. But Um, it can just so easily be $3 like four weeks from now. And this really feels like one of the... To me, this feels like it's going to be a miss. I could be wrong, but uh, that's the way I'm leaning given like me putting my my money where my mouth is. I'm not willing to, to... pull the trigger on this thing that makes a lot of sense um i do like in a planeswalker heavy environment i don't know how many control decks can just be like my win conditions are to fairies and then i have interaction <laughs> right um you might just get buried under planeswalkers having access to evasive high power threats yeah I think maybe, it may just be really important yeah right like i think rekindling phoenix is set up to just be bonkers in the upcoming format so it could be, yeah, absolutely. That that is kind of nice, but it's not enough right now. Yeah, I don't think. All right, so next up we have Jace, wielder of mysteries. So it's a four mana Jace, but it's one triple blue, mm-hmm. uh, four loyalty starting point. The static ability is if you would draw a card with while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. Lab maniac. It's it's a laboratory maniac on a planeswalker. I recently won a couple of games with laboratory maniac oh. in an uh, RUMA draft. So, nice, nice. You know, I feels good. Partial to that effect. Yeah, I have to say. Um, plus one target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Draw a card. Minus eight. Draw seven cards. Then if your library has no cards in it you win the game it's like the purest jace that ever jaced he comes down at four mana and just draws your cards yeah um a little bit of milling stuff in there a little bit of weird end game stuff but mostly it's a four mana thing that draws you a card every turn yeah quick rules question losing the game is a state-based action right so if you have like five cards in your library and you ultimate you still win Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. exactly how it works. Okay. Um, okay. If you ever minus eight and then, like, like the, his minus eight cannot kill you. Yes. Okay, great. Like, yeah, because the losing is a state-based action. Right. The spells need to resolve and then you lose. Right. Uh, right. And part of the resolution is you win. Right. So, great. Yeah, I mean, this card is kind of tough to evaluate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Jace. It pluses to draw cards, but it can't really protect itself at all. So, it's pretty tough. It feels like, like, my easy comparison is it's a lot like Karn, in that, like, sure. Karn is a four-mana Planeswalker that just, mostly just draws cards, mm-hmm. like, can minus to put a chump blocker in play, or if you're really abusing that, then that's that's cool. But a lot of what standard Karn has done is just be a four-mana thing that's, like, really awkward for a control opponent, because it comes down before they would expect a card advantage Planeswalker to come down and starts giving you card advantage. Right. And a, a huge upside of Karn is it goes into any deck, and Jace costs triple blue. Yeah, so that's Jace kind goes of into opposite. very few decks. <laughs> right. And and has no way of protecting itself. But, you know, if I am if I go, like, Augur of Bolas into Removal Spell into Jace, that's, like, not a bad spot. It's hard to deal that, like, five damage 
through that because he goes up to five. Yeah. And then you're just sort of getting cards. Doesn't compete on mana cost with the super high power stuff like Teferi. Yeah. Um, it might be like a bridge to that. I don't think it's insane, but I think people might be sleeping on this card a little bit. Potentially. I could see that. My problem is that the mana cost seems really restrictive. Mm-hmm. This is kind of one of those cards that you like want to be able to play on turn four mm-hmm. and plus, and then maybe your opponent expends some resources into it as you're gaining advantage. Yeah. Right? So if you can ever get like two pluses out of this card and it soaks up the six damage worth of attacks, mm-hmm. then I'm pretty happy with it. Right. But, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about playing this in a blue deck that is a very majority blue, mm-hmm. at least. It's hard for me to imagine an archetype that is going to be able to consistently play this. Yeah, I hear that, for sure. At 250, you know, I can get a set of these for what one Kefnet costs right now. That's fair. I mean, the the price is right yeah. for this card. Um, it, honestly, it is. I, I think just given that... I'm going to just go ahead and... I'm just going to pick up two. Sure. I think it's hard to justify running more than that yeah. number of this like sorcery speed four mana thing in your deck. Yeah. But I think if it's playable, it's going to be worth more than 250 So Yeah, that makes sense. Next up, we have Narset Parter of Veils. Uh, so one blue-blue for a five loyalty Planeswalker. The static ability is each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. And has minus two of, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them. And put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom. In in any order. In a random order, rather. Yeah, so this is, it's, you know, this is one of those kind of cheap planeswalkers that you can probably get a a decent amount of value out of. Right, it's one of the uncommon ones, so you don't get to just keep using it right indefinitely yeah it's it's time on the battlefield is is limited Mm -hmm. but it's kind of cool because some of these like quote-unquote hate planeswalkers kind of appropriately statted so that they like get value out of their stuff twice and Mm -hmm. then but then stick around around, yeah so it starts at five you minus two you get a non-land non-creature you minus two again you get a non-land non-creature and then, you know, your opponent has to do something, you know, and hopefully, best case scenario for them, they just, you know, incidentally send one of their dudes into it, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really cost them a lot. Um, but w- the one deck that I see this being really annoying against is a control deck. Yeah. If you cast it, and it's three mana, so it's pretty likely to get under their counter spells, especially if you're on the play. Mm-hmm. You just cast it, you get, you know, two value cards out of it, then they have to expend a resource. Yeah. Getting it off the battlefield. If they ever want to plus their Teferi mm-hmm. or cast a Chemister's Insight. You know, those are things that they have to do in order to win the game. Yeah. So this card seems actually really strong in a control mirror. Yeah. So I I think that this is a card that people are going to want to have access to. Mm-hmm. I think that it might even just be like a really, really solid sideboard card out of control decks for mm-hmm. the mirrors. So that's really what I was thinking of here is it just... It doesn't do the same things as Thief of Sanity, but it's like right. a three-mana thing that they're going to have to do something about. Yeah. And if they don't counter this, it's immediately card advantage for right. you if they spend like if they have to spend a Vraska's Contempt on it or something like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I mean, the minus two is, and as Kanta, the Sunken Ruin activation. Yeah. Like, that's good. Right. That's getting you what you need. Mm-hmm. Unless what you need is a land, then. That's a little <laughs> yeah. sad. Hopefully it's Ho- getting what you need. Hopefully if things it gets are going you, well. Hopefully it gets you like an opt if you need a land. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm in. 
So yeah, I you know, they, and I think people are. This is an uncommon. Uh, it it's up to, to about one fifty. I think people have recognized like yeah, I could easily want this card in in control matchups. Yeah. In control matchups, you're already bringing in, you know, every blue deck starts with four negates in the sideboard. So right. there's not a ton of room for more breakers yeah. in control matchups. But in terms of, like, being a real breaker, that's not just, like, a really good card like negate. Yeah. I think this qualifies. I think so, too. I don't know how much room you have. Also, because new Teferi is a three-mana Planeswalker that's very good in the control mirrors. True. Um, so that's kind of a weird tension there. We'll have to evaluate which one you want more. But it, given the composition of control decks, maybe this is just the one you want more. Right. Um, so. That's what I'm thinking. I'll, I'll pick up two. Yeah. I think it's a good amount. At 146. All right, next one is maybe the weirdest card in the set. Uh, I really like this next card. Yeah? It's Narset's Reversal. So it's blue-blue for an instant. Copy target instant or sorcery spell. Then return it to its owner's hand. You may choose new targets for the copy. Mm-hmm. Get your Nexus of Fate. Yes. That sucks. God. Oh, man. <laughs> talking about casting time walk remand on a stick yeah it's an incredible sideboard card against teamer nexus or just teamer that casts huge expansion explosions right but just kind of generally i think this card is really strong yeah you know it it's like you gotta evaluate it kind of like a remand effect but only for instance or sorceries Mm -hmm. so which is a lot a lot of what makes remand good is getting a three mana creature yeah absolutely um so it does kind of feel like it's going to be tough to play in any main decks. I agree. Also, double blue for one that's relevant. Probably not going to see any play in best of one. No. Um, but that, That's funny because there are some very clearly designed for best of one cards in this set. Yeah, yeah. This is one that is <laughs> Yeah, the opposite not. of that, right. <laughs> there was a little bit of buzz talking about the infinite combo that exists right now in standard mm-hmm. and how some people were like, oh, there's another fork. Maybe that combo is viable now. The problem is that this card does not work with that combo. Uh, it kind of shuts itself off by returning the original copy to the, uh, your owner's hand. So if you cast Opt and then Expansion and then try to Narset's Reversal the Expansion, you're going to bounce the Expansion to your hand and then create a copy of Expansion. But now the Expansion's only legal target is the Opt. There's some way of doing the combo though actually with this card yeah it just takes a little extra mana i think oh yeah so 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 you just it it allows you to cast it it takes more mana because here's what you do you opt you expansion targeting the opt you narcissus reversal targeting the expansion and then you get a copy of the expansion return the expansion to your yeah, well, so targeting whatever. Okay. Um, oh, you get so... the expansion back to your hand. Okay. You cast the expansion again, targeting the copied expansion. So it takes oh. seven mana. Okay. But it still could participate in sure. it. Sure. Okay. You just need an, an, another expansion. Yeah. So that's not impossible. Right. So um, it's kind of like another copy of it. Basically, if you're doing that combo, then that makes this a better sideboard card in the matchups where you already want this as a sideboard card. If yeah. your opponent is casting Nexus of Fate or big expansion explosions, then we want, you, you know, this card's value goes up and then etc. Mm-hmm. I do think it is really cool and I think that coolness and uniqueness is a big reason why it costs 350 for a kind of uh, situational rare double blue instant and i think i'm just gonna hold off on it for yeah. now yeah 
I think it, the pro it like it does feel very very powerful. The problem is that it's only very very powerful in very niche scenarios, mm -hmm. and you know then you're taking up a sideboard slot on a card like this. Yeah, which you know I would never want to put Reman in my sideboard. That sounds like it sucks. So <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> and I mean it is a huge beating against Nexus decks. True, but well, yeah. I mean, I guess if Nexus continues to be like a really big, it's a it's a bullet against them. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that might just be good enough. That mm -hmm. might be a reason to run it. But like, you know, if they make the move to be more, if the Wilderness Reclamation decks are more teamer and they focus on like Niv Mizzet, whether they're running Nexus or just Explosion as like their payoff thing, yeah. and you're holding up cards like this, and they're just like, all right, I'm gonna cast this Niv Mizzet. And then untap my lands, and then just like you're in a really bad spot because right. now you're gonna fight over stuff, and they're just drawing cards, and it like they get around this with their alternate threats, yeah, and that's that's not great, yeah, for sure. So none for now, but I can totally see this seeing play. Agreed. So next up we have Spark Double. So Spark Double is a four mana uh, illusion creature. So it starts off as a zero zero, but um, you doesn't really matter. You may have Spark Double enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature or planeswalker you control, except it enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature, with an additional loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker, and if it's a legendary, and it isn't a legendary if that permanent is legendary. Right. So it can copy a, a creature or a planeswalker and gets an additional plus one plus one counter or loyalty counter. Right. And doesn't yeah. die if it copied a planeswalker. Yeah. Which is important. You know, we keep seeing these clones with upside, and it it is difficult to pick apart just like what level of upside you need to see standard playability. Vizier of Many Faces is the last one that saw significant play. Yeah. But that's because it was two clones. Yeah. The the upside of being two clones versus the upside of being a slightly larger clone is pretty significant. Although I will say that uh, the benefit that you get from this card is that it is guaranteed the biggest creature on the battlefield, mm -hmm. which is nice. You know, talking about like limited... Well... Okay, so actually that's a huge problem with this card is you may have Spark Double enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature or planeswalker you control. Oh. Which for me, I think actually kills this card. I take everything back. Yeah. Yeah. Card sucks. Yeah, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a big problem. Like you yeah. have to have a threat and then play a second threat. That's not how constructed magic works. Yeah, yeah. Clones of your own stuff only yeah. are typically... Just kind of chaff rares. It just asks too much. Yep. So just not going to pre-order any of this thing. Buck sixty-seven. That's far too rich for my blood for this card. That just I I can't see myself playing. Yep. Great for casual stuff. Sure. I think it is kind of cool that it can double up on planeswalkers. I'm sure that there are like now that we have planeswalkers with triggered and static abilities. I'm sure there are some that like having two copies of that ability is like surprisingly good yeah. can't think of any in particular right now but i'm sure people will come up with some stuff i'm just not trying to do that in competitive standard well you don't want to live the dream of having two teferis mm, in play cool. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> powerful right two sarkins you get to make two dragons and then every time a creature attacks you it takes four damage broken that's kind of cool yeah <laughs> but yeah not you're yeah. not going for it. Yep. Oh, well. Uh, and I think this is our last blue card. 
Yeah, so last card is uh, Tamio's Epiphany. So three and a blue for a sorcery, scry four, then draw two cards. You dig pretty deep. You dig? Scry four is a lot of cards. Yeah. Uh, you see six cards deep with this if you want to. But it's a sorcery. Yep, four mana sorcery. It's competing with some much better four mana draw cards right now. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to see any play. No, probably not going to see any play. Um, this card was previously printed as 4C, which I don't know if you've ever seen this card because you are not a... 4C. Yeah, so let's let's pull this up. This is a pun-heavy card. Oh, all right. It's called 4C because you scry 4, and art's got four eyes. Oh. Flavor text is about how many eyes you want to have. I'm a little disappointed because uh, this is one of my favorite goofy cards, yeah. and I cast a lot of them in, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Time Spiral Block Limited. Yeah, I don't think that it's that powerful, but as a common draw spell, it's certainly going to be really good in Limited. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to casting it in Limited. Uh, I'm going to pick them up, though. So Scries in Limited are pretty close to drawing a card. Uh, yeah, once you have enough lands. Yeah. Yeah. This is just going to draw you the two best spells in your top six, top six cards. That's, pretty likely. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to pick them up because I don't want to not have them, and they're commons, so they are 13 cents. But yeah, I don't foresee running very many of these. <laughs> nice. As I add four to my card. Um, also <laughs> also good. Uh, just nice. Yeah. Right. Onto black cards. Oh, I guess we, we should total up. We should keep a running total. So I, th- I believe that this is not going to be an impressively large sum. All right, I've spent $11.31 on blue cards. Um, Seems fine. Skipped the mythics completely here. So yeah. the, the finale is Mind Spring, and I just don't really want it. Yep. Kefnet has a lot higher upside than that, but I, you know. We're passing for now. We're passing. Yeah. So that's that's why the blue cards are so low at the moment. So let me. All right, starting with black cards. We've got Bleeding Edge. This is one and two black for a sorcery. Up to one target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn, and a mass two. So without any amass shenanigans, this is a three mana two two that like shocks a guy, but that shock can kill an Adanto Vanguard or whatever. Yeah, which is strong. This is fine, um, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely like the sound of that card. It's just so hard to evaluate whether or not they're better in multiples or just like a mass in general. Like yeah. I, I'm gonna need to do a lot of. I think that the the pre-releases that I attend are going to be very enlightening <laughs> onto just w- how this plays, what the amass mechanic feels like, right? You know? um, and it's probably going to be pretty significantly different and limited than in constructed, but um, right. Yeah, this is one of those cards where you know the second one is you know you kill a creature and your guy is now a four four, um, and, and and when you already have a zombie army in play. Mm-hmm. That means that those plus one plus one counters effectively have haste. So this yeah. becomes a three mana two two haste that kills a guy when it comes into play. Right. Which, you know, in limited, I that's like a, a big lot. thing. Right. For sure. And also, like, sizing your guy up in limited so that it beats their creatures in combat is, like, a very important thing. Absolutely. Um, right. You know, kill your smaller guy, make my guy trade for your other guy. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, now we're, you know, now we're really doing it. Yeah. I think most of the time in Constructed, you're not going to be amassing onto an existing army that That's much. That's what it feels like, yeah. Unless we're doing a Dreadhorde Invasion sort of deck. Yeah. But this card on its face, I think, is totally fine. Yeah. And probably, if you've got other amassed stuff in your deck, it's because you think they work well together. Mm-hmm. So this gets that, you know, however much better that means. Yeah. 
But there's probably going to be, at some point in Standard, an important aggressive deck that this just lines up pretty well against. So, Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, I think it's worth having some number of these. Very, very realistic that like both mid-range and control decks want to have access to these. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, worth having. Yep. You know, it's probably worse slightly than if it were a creature that did this because of stuff like Fine Finality or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just going to pick up two at 86 cents and that will be totally fine. Yeah. You, you know, situational removal spells that kill small creatures, you can't have a ton of them. Right. So you're, I, I can't see running a, a million of this thing. That makes a lot of sense to me. Next is a much more complicated card. Oh boy. This is Command the Dread Horde. Four and two black. This is a sorcery. Choose any number of target creature and or planeswalker cards in graveyards. Command the Dread Horde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. Yeah, it's... This one's a doozy. Yeah. You're so... <laughs> It feels pretty difficult to so successfully much to resolve this card and have it be good for you. You know, you need to be at a high life total. You need to not be under a significant amount of pressure. And then you can pay a bunch of life to, like, amass a, a reasonable board state. Yeah. They uh, very muscle. specifically worded it in this order. Yeah. Um, it deals the damage to you, and then it puts the stuff into play. Because yeah. there is a Planeswalker, the Wanderer. Its static ability is uh, you and creatures you control can't take non-combat damage. Oh. Or it's like prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and creatures you control. Okay. So if this did this in the other order, you'd put a bunch of Planeswalkers in play, including the Wanderer. It would deal, you know, 40 damage to you. All that damage would get prevented. Mm -hmm. And you'd just, you'd just go from there. And that would be sweet and wonderful. But... They were too smart for us. Yeah. And they... We couldn't have it all. <laughs> can't have it yeah. all. Yeah, bummer. This being a six mana card, like, you can't cast it against the control decks with counter spells in it. You yeah. have to get the cards into your graveyard somehow before you can do this. Mm -hmm. And it deals a bunch of damage to you. I don't think this is a playable card. Yeah. Agreed. I, um... This card's cute. It's cute. It'll probably be fun in some context, but I don't think it's constructed playable. Yep. Agree. All right, next we've got Davriel, Rogue Shadow Mage. This is two and a black for an uncommon planeswalker, three loyalty. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, Davriel, Rogue Shadow Mage, deals two damage to them. Minus one, target player discards a card. It's a rack. Yeah, it, and but a it does both of the things. Yeah, no, it, I think it's good. You know, I think Tom Ross even already wrote an article about how he wants to uh, play this card in eight rack. So, and... It, Literally nobody on the planet knows better what right. to try in 8-Rack yeah. than Tom Ross. So. It just, I mean, it just does everything that he wants it to do, yeah. you know? I, I trust him. I uh, I would definitely, well, I guess it depends on whether or not you want to have access to 8-Rack in Modern. And I'm not super psyched about yeah. that. <laughs> and in terms of, like, standard playability, I'm much less optimistic about it. Agree. I just don't think that there's going to be really any setting... Like, you know, where you're going to want this card in in standard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether or not you decide to pre-order some of them, I think it's going to be purely based on, you know, your interest in ARAC. So it is 40 cents. I don't really know how many of these go into ARAC. I don't, I don't really foresee myself ever casting this card. Yeah. Like, let's be really clear about that. Yeah. But if we hit a point where this is like, 
a legitimate strategy if they're like it's hard because they don't print uh, like aggressively costed discard cards for standard no we don't get two mana cards that take two cards away from your opponent we're never gonna get like thought seize or inquisition uh, in right. standard we're it's not gonna not get gonna like smallpox that's right. not really something that they're gonna be willing to give us so i don't really see it as a 40 cent card though i'm just gonna put four of these things in my cart on the off chance that like it is a thing i guess yeah and you know maybe somebody needs to borrow them because they because they didn't get them because they're not ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's it's just not a high enough cost to deter me here. Yeah. It's a really cool design. I really love the way that it just like works with itself. Yeah. And and is so simple to yeah. abilities and yeah, it's cute. I'm in. Next we have Deliver Unto Evil with my pick for the best art in the set. I don't think it's particularly close. It's just incredible Seb McKinnon art. Like, look at this card yeah. if you haven't seen it. it. Strong nostalgia. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is two and a black for a sorcery. Choose up to four target cards in your graveyard. If you control a Bolas Planeswalker, return those cards to your hand. Otherwise, an opponent chooses two of them. Leave the chosen cards in your graveyard and put the rest into your hand. Exile deliver unto evil. So its baseline is a weird like gifts ungiven for your graveyard where you pick four and your opponent gives you the two worst ones right if you have a bolus it's four regrowths but (laughs) yeah if you have a bolus and you're casting card drawing spells you're fine you're doing all right yeah 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 this is a very strange card (laughs) it's i mean it's really tough to evaluate right because let's think of it in the context of gifts right Mm -hmm. You're typically looking for, uh, you know, the, where it's good is where you can kind of cheat the system a little bit, mm-hmm. where you get, you know, burial rights and another dude, yeah. and then you did it. You know, you you tutored for your uh, your combo or whatever. Right. Um, or you're getting just like all cards that kind of do the same thing, mm-hmm. right? So your opponent is forced into giving you something good. Right. Or um, you're cheating with like past in flames or something. Yeah, or right, or you're cheating in some other way. Right? Yeah. Um this card has a significantly less chance of doing something like that. Because all the stuff has to um, be in your graveyard already. Yeah, the stuff has to be in your graveyard already, and you're pretty guaranteed to just get the worst of them. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think that this card is very strong. I, I agree. I, I just I'm really struggling to find any scenario where this is like a card that I'm excited to play. Well, and and the problem is one of the huge points of power that you get when you're playing cards like Eternal Witness or what you know, Snapcaster Mage, things that get a card from your graveyard is you're getting the best card from your graveyard. Yeah. And it's effectively a tutor. Right. That's this just is not what you're very far here. removed from that. Yeah. Yeah. You might get two decent cards. Yeah. But they're going to be the two cards that are least effective at what your opponent is trying to do that game. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. Yep. So, yeah, I'm just not sold. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's a very strong card. I I agree. I'm going to pick up one for potential cube purposes at 64 cents. Yeah, and, you know, the art just makes you want to own one. The art makes me want to own one. It definitely does. (laughs) It's it's really stunning. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, cool story moment and everything, so... Very cool card, just doesn't quite get there mechanically, I don't think. Right. Next, Dreadhorde Invasion. Yeah. This is one in a black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and amass one. Whenever a zombie token you control with power six or greater attacks, it gains lifelink until end of turn. 
We talked about this card before. Yep. It invites comparisons to Bitter Blossom, but functions in a very different way yep. because it doesn't go wide. Yeah, public service announcement, this card is not Bitter Blossom. Right. <laughs> um, but it doesn't have to be to be playable. True. And I don't think on its own it's very good. Yeah. I don't think it challenges a control deck to come up with a response the way that a card like Bitter Blossom does. Right. They can wait three turns... And cast a removal spell on the zombie. And have only taken three damage. Yeah, and you're just not getting anywhere like that. Right. Uh, then you get a 1-1 one, one with summoning sickness on your turn. Yeah. Like, congratulations. Bummer. It is a little better than Bitter Blossom in that if you do keep the zombie for a turn, the counter does have haste. So you do damage a little more quickly against yeah. the control deck. I think you have to be doing other stuff to make this card good. But I really do like this card with things like Plague Crafter, or I do like this as kind of like an engine to fuel aristocrats kind of stuff. Yeah. If you're mostly just saying, I'm getting this token, I'm going to do a thing with it, and then I'm getting a token, I'm going to do a thing with it. Mm -hmm. That feels a lot better to me than, you know, just trying to use this card as a standalone threat kind of thing. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And if you're doing that, I think you need a playset of this card in your in your deck probably you're probably saying i want this card on turn two right yeah it's yeah it's probably it's likely best used as some sort of engine card in terms of you're just really trying to use these for <laughs> something um and i don't you know i don't really know if we have anything like that in standard right now yeah i mean um, we always get tricked into thinking aristocrats is a thing we do yeah they always like make it close they're yeah. like ooh, you know here's a really good sacrifice a thing that can be sacrificed or whatever yeah and but then... there's never anything you can sacrifice it to nope. because they've learned their lesson <laughs> yeah. to go husk and stuff yeah yeah that card is very good yep i think at looks like it's a dollar 58 right now um, the hype was high when this card was spoiled. Yeah. And so when it was spoiled and people were talking about it, I was like, this is not a card that we're going to be buying on the pre-order show. Yeah. At a buck fifty though, um, yeah. this feels like th- this could easily end up being just a pretty much unplayable card. Right. And then I am out $6. If this is a playable card though, then I'm pretty happy with having bought a set of Then them. they'll probably go up to $3. Yeah. And sure. this is... This is also the type of card that we could easily hit a point where, like, it's just a very good card in standard. Yeah. It is two mana. It does a thing that very few cards do, which is generate a token every turn, potentially. Yeah. And so I, I, I there's enough upside here that I'm just going to pull the trigger on a place out of it. Sure. Next. Oh, yeah. Bolus's Citadel. Ooh, baby. Uh, three. Black, black, black. <laughs> Six mana legendary artifact. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. Tap, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. This card's doing things. It's doing things. But I mean, what kind of things we have? God, who knows? No idea. My feeling on this card is like, it's either got to be unplayable or busted. Mm-hmm. And... What's the likelihood that they printed it if it's actually busted? Yeah. Like, they would have figured that out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I have faith that that's true. Mm-hmm. I Because it has such potential to be busted, then I think that they there there needed to be some sort of rigorous testing in mm-hmm. place to be like, all right, it's fine. this is, yeah, this is going to be all right. My, you know, my interest mostly in this card is like, you know, can we break it in other formats, mm-hmm. right? So... 
Um, you know, in terms of like pre-ordering things, I might suggest picking up two, mm-hmm. maybe if you're interested in that kind of thing. But um, I'm gonna get my UCs before I bother getting this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but you know, there there were some interesting like. Uh, white black based mid range decks that I saw that were just running a, a good amount of just the the gain three draw card yeah. and gain four draw cards because those are just um, free draw yeah. card and don't forget that you can just continue to play normal magic right while this is on the battlefield. right this is not experimental frenzy right it doesn't have I mean this card doesn't have a drawback on it right it's just a powerful card advantage engine if your deck is constructed to do it the drawback is that it costs six mana right. Um, and, you know, and you can still continue to, like, pay mana for your cards that gain life. Mm-hmm. And then that unlocks the ability to, every once in a while, just, like, get a free yep. thing here and there that can really take over the game if you're, you know, yeah. if you're doing it. So Yeah, I think I will wait. Um, it's currently, like, 270 right now. Costing more than this Dreadhorde Invasion, like, two mana potential engine enchantment. That seems like not the time to pick this thing up. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a huge investment, but I just have very little confidence that that... You know, if Ollie, if Ollie breaks it, great. Yeah. Then we're happy. It's a win-win, yeah. you know? Like, there, <laughs> nothing can go wrong here. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just going to d- decline for now. That makes sense. Okay. The Elder Spell. All right, now we're talking. Black, Black, Sorcery... Destroy any number of target Planeswalkers. Choose a Planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each Planeswalker destroyed this way. What a Planeswalker, like, mirror breaker. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Uh, this card is intense. Yeah. Destroy any number of a thing is always kind of like a... You, you gotta do a double take on that. Like, a, what, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Two mana. Right. Black, black, though. So black, black. It's, it's relatively restrictive cost. Yeah. This goes very well in the deck that wants to cast Nicol Bolas for black, 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 red, blue. True. Definitely fits into that mana base. Absolutely. So flavor win. Yeah. The problem with evaluating this card, though, is that it's going to be so contingent on what the metagame shakes out to be. Yeah. Are we going to be in a very heavy Planeswalker standard? Mm -hmm. If yes, this card's phenomenal. And I think that the archetype that gets to support this card is going to be really good Mm -hmm. but you know if we're still going to have a bunch of mono blue mono white i think mono green is going to be a big archetype post rotation uh those decks just don't play a bunch of planeswalkers Mm -hmm. so uh you know in the standard that we have all come to kind of understand as of late i don't really see this card being very good right uh it's just too narrow but Um, we are getting a set with 36 planes we i mean in indeed we are for sure uh but uh, I, it's it's so hard to pull the trigger on that because i don't i just don't think one set of a bunch of planeswalkers is going to radically change standard that much in right. that way you know? I, I mean i think we are going to go into a planeswalker heavier standard for sure mm-hmm. but that means that the cards that i want to play are like rekindling phoenix and yeah. like skargan hellkite or something like you yeah, know yeah, yeah. that's because those cards are good all of the time. Yeah. I don't want to put a card in my deck that is only ever going to be destroy a bunch of Planeswalkers. Or just one. Yeah. You know, you're happy if it hits one. Potentially this is a sideboard card. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the upside is, like, absolutely phenomenal. If you do have a Planeswalker in play and you kill two Planeswalkers, you just get to ult your Planeswalker. Pretty great. Uh, that's And that's why this card is $5. Is because that upside is just 
enormous. Yeah. Um, I mean, that world is a weird one where, like, people are playing a bunch of Planeswalkers, then there's a deck that plays enough Planeswalkers that it can put counters onto something with the Elder Spell, and then it's, like, only Elder Spell Planeswalker decks that are viable in those matchups at that point. Yeah. And then, like... If people are playing main deck Elder Spells, then, you know, you just show up to a tournament with Sky Marcher Aspirants in your deck and you run over everybody. So, I don't think this is a $5 card. Yeah, don't pre-order this card. Yeah. It's The price is not right. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, this card's likely going to fall to, like, if it sees play, it'll fall to $3. If it doesn't see play, it'll fall to 50 yeah, cents. Yeah, $0.50. Cent. I mean, casual play and appeal might buoy this to like for a surprising amount of time maybe but i i just yeah i'm not interested it's just not a five dollar card yeah i agree now we get to the black finale this is finale of eternity it says x black black sorcery destroy up to three target creatures with toughness x or less if x is 10 or more return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield this one's interesting yeah it feels kind of like a bad wrath Mm -hmm. and maybe your deck wants a bad wrath i don't know but you know if you're if your opponent has like a bunch of like medium dorks out and you pay five mana Mm -hmm. to kill them all then great you cast a wrath of effect well you're getting a lot more upside if you have creatures because you get to leave yours in play is is the big no absolutely yeah right i guess that's an important distinction for sure is that like if you're if your deck is planning on playing creatures as well Mm -hmm. um you know then then this it definitely feels a little more like a like a plague wind sort of thing yeah 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 Yeah, i mean it for if you're not so what this is is uh the like jaya's inferno uh legendary spell from dominaria that just can't target players yeah, basically yeah, yeah. um but you don't need a legendary permanent in play to cast it so that's kind of neat uh you know that card was not like a thing that we were particularly trying to play right in standard yeah those legendary spells were yeah they were tough <laughs> to, was, they were tough to make work. i yeah. tried a little yeah 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 um yeah i do think most for on a lot of board states this card is just worse than ritual of soot mm-hmm. you know if you're making what is kind of cool for the green finale and for the black finale is that they have access to engines that make the gigantic mode actually possible yeah um because we do have the the cabal coffers variant in black so if you get to the late game you really can generate 12 mana to cast this spell i could see this being a card in a mono black deck yeah absolutely um obviously mono black is a trap you know just (laughs) it always has been (laughs) has been since odyssey onslaught constructed so yeah yeah. mono black people try it sometimes it's fine uh, it hasn't been good in t- since um, the devotion days. It was busted then. Yeah, that's kind of like the okay. That's extension. true. That was the yeah. second. We we can't s- skip over that. That's true. Best deck of the format, mono black. Deck, right, really, right, but right. but generally, it's it just doesn't work out. Yeah, four fifty. This is very different from the elder spell being a five dollar card because this is a mythic. And it is a mythic. Kills creatures. Right. I am gonna get two of these. I think that's reasonable. If this sees any play then this is a fine purchase. You'll want to have a couple. Yeah. Right. Uh, if it doesn't see play, you know, oh well. That's 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 completely okay. <laughs> but 
And honestly, I do think that interaction with that land, that the name is just Cabal Coffers. It's like Cabal Coffers, but it isn't. Interesting. Uh, It's land that's like Cabal Coffers. Cabal Stronghold. It's Cabal Stronghold. Um, You were were pretty close. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You got the Cabal part. When when I just named the card that it's like, yeah, it's it's based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Um, But yeah, I mean, I do think that that interaction is potentially reasonable. This is a much better giant mana sink payoff for Cabal Stronghold than like Josu Vest, which a lot of people have tried to push into mono black decks. You know, this is much closer to being constructed playable. It's early game application is much better. Your opponent starts out with a bunch of white creatures. You can actually cast this and it does a thing. So, Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, actually, that's a good point. It's like against White Weenie, like just four mana kill all of your early stuff is fine yeah maybe even like three mana kill a couple of x ones so this is one of the not that many cards that like if they go i mean you you do have to be on like the play for this but it functions very similarly to deafening clarion if they go like one drop turn two one drop one drop it just gets them yeah so that's that's pretty neat for sure all right next up is god eternal bantu so this is the black god Three black black for a five six menace. When God Eternal Bantu enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards. And then it's got the God ability. When it dies or is exiled from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. Hi, does this, what does this card do? I don't I don't know. It, yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean. You, I think that you really need to build a deck where you have, like, sack outlets, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, cards that are just kind of, like, generally in play that you don't mind sacrificing. Yeah. Lands don't qualify, um, in my mind. Oh, you, yeah, we're not trying to sacrifice lands yeah. to this. You can, so, like, late, late, late game, this guy can be really good. Sacrificing um, lands and drawing cards is like the worst combination of effects right, I can yeah. imagine. No, for sure. It feels really bad. <laughs> so uh so you really do need something that you just like have a bunch of just like cards that don't matter, or maybe yeah. tokens or you know, whatever. So this is potentially but, like in an aristocrat's deck, this is a way to sacrifice some of your stuff and get some value sure. off of it. Right. Aristocrat's decks don't really want five mana things no. like this though. No. Yeah. Like Falcon Wrath Aristocrat, four mana, four power, haste, like push damage, yeah, yeah, get yeah. in there. This is pretty different from a card like that. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think that this card is gonna see any plain standard. I, I think you're right. Five dollars, you know, it wouldn't it's not a terrible pickup. It is mythic. If it sees play, then you know, you probably do okay. This is just not like when I'm writing up Aristocrats decks in my notebook and stuff this is just not a card that i'm trying to put into them i want my cards to cost like three like my pay up my big heavy hitter payoff cards in those decks cost three mana and when you're sacrificing things in order to gain an effect you Mm -hmm. really want that effect to be immediately relevant you're losing stuff on the board yeah and you need that like the tempo loss for those cards just going into your hand Mm -hmm. is pretty extreme yeah Um, now this is a pretty big guy five six menace for five mana is like a it's a neuter. It's okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you already had a board and then you toss it away for cards, 
you know, you are sacrificing guys specifically designed to be sacrificed, I assume. And yeah. so maybe they're putting other bodies into play or having effects on their way out or whatever. But right. it's just five mana is so much for doing a thing like this. Agreed. Next card, though, my evaluation is significantly different. This is Liliana Dreadhorde General, four and two black. Like, like my evaluation is different in that this is a expensive black mythic that I'm just going to try to cast all the time. Oh, yeah. Four and two black, six loyalty planeswalker. Whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. Plus one, create a two, two black zombie creature token. Minus four, each player sacrifices two creatures. Minus nine, each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Yikes. Yikes. This is what I want if I'm going to pay six mana for a Planeswalker. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this will see play at least in the beginning of Standard. Mm -hmm. Who knows what will happen after that. But it's just one of those new flashy mythics that is clearly good, clearly pushed. Um, I think it will see play. Yeah. It, it does a lot of the things that successful six mana Planeswalkers have done in the past. Uh, stuff like... You know, Elspeth and Chandra had, like, sweeping abilities built in. Like, it was very difficult for there to be a board already that, like, challenged them when they came down. If, if you cast a Wrath on your, like, turn five, and then you pass the turn, I don't see what board your p opponent can possibly put together in one turn that she can't battle through. It feels tough. I, I just think there's a bunch of ways to build decks that this card is very good in. Right. Um, including, like, you can just put her in decks with creatures, and then if you have creatures in play, and then they trade off, you just draw a bunch of cards, yep. and it's really good. I mean, yeah, the Minerite Reaper effect is very strong. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I like it. Yeah. Also, this is a Planeswalker that proliferating onto is a pretty big payoff. Because she's a little slow to reach her ultimate. Yeah. But if you speed it up by a turn or it so... It just wins the game. Yeah. So... This game over. That that may be a thing to look out for. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like she is $14. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen with her prices and stuff. And so when I saw a couple listed at $13.60 a couple of days ago, I just ordered a playset. I don't think I'm going to be running four in any deck. But that seemed like... The price felt right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, this seems like a... I assumed that it was going to be about 20 bucks to pre-order, so I would order the two that I'm likely to play mm -hmm. in most decks, but I, just at 1360 it seemed like yeah. a fine thing to pick up a bunch of. Makes sense. Alright, next is Liliana's Triumph. One in a black, instant, each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you control a Liliana Planeswalker, each opponent also discards a card. It's an edict. It's an edict. We got it in modern now in case you need it. Yep. The not targeting isn't super important in like in legacy where diabolic edict sees a fair amount of play the matchups where you want an edict effect they're not gonna have ley line of sanctity in play so it doesn't right. really matter boggles with ley line is kind of like the one right scenario where you're like got, got him, him. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so that's possible also it's really key to this card that there are two three-mana Lilianas that just see a ton of play in both of the Eternal formats. True. So you're going to be getting two-for-ones with this card a reasonable amount of the time. Yeah. And honestly, I think that this card might just replace Diabolic Edict out of the legacy decks that are playing mm -hmm. Lilianas. Yeah. It, it just, just feels pretty free. It just has a bunch of upside there. Yeah. For sure. 75 cents. I don't think you ever run more than like two edicts right yeah so no but you know it'll be nice to have i think yeah all right 
<laughs> Massacre Girl. All right, this one, you're really going to have to put your money where your mouth is, because you're pretty high on this card. I am pretty high on this card. Yeah. I'm a little, probably a little lower at this point than when we talked about it before. I've just thought about it more and, you know, tried to figure out all the spots I would want it. And and it is a five mana card. Okay, so there's five mana, four, four menace. When Massacre Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Massacre Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So yeah. it, it's Defile from Hearthstone. You chain up the... As long as you can kill a creature or two, you probably sweep the rest of the board. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is not the most exciting thing in the world to have to have guys on your side to guarantee that she's going to kill the thing, but that, that does help her playability a lot sure. in decks like mid-range decks like Sultai or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they have any one toughness guys in play, this is just the most terrifying card in the <laughs> world for any good wide deck. Yes, very true. Um, I think the, just the upside of being able to cast a 4-4 that sweeps the board and leaves a 4-4 menace in play, and it's a sweeper that... I mean, it, it's a little weird to say, like, it's a sweeper you can get back with fine finality because you could just cast finality <laughs> so that doesn't actually add that much utility but to find extra finality. value it is a lot of value <laughs> yeah um i mean against mono white i have definitely found that anytime i cast finality i probably i almost always those win games, that game yeah those games typically end but there is just some interesting flexibility there and it's a sweeper effect that you get to run that when you draw it against the control decks it doesn't have no text yeah it still is yeah, it's still body. It's a body, and sometimes that you just need one more thing. Right. You keep trading cards, here's a thing. Yeah. I'm gonna hit you twice with it, and like now you're in trouble. Right. Um, and that's much better than drawing, you know, Cry of the Carnarium against Esper Control. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. You know, and when we're talking about, you know, this is one of those cards where in best of one, yeah. it's just better value. It's just, you know, it's not gonna be completely bricked in you know, it's going to be really good when you play against mono white or mono blue. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, every once in a while, you're going to see a wide board, and all their guys are going to have two toughness, and you don't have any guys in play, and, and you're going to be sad. Yeah, for sure, it's going to be awful. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little more skeptical on this card. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel super powerful to me. Yeah. Um. Also, what's Massacre Girl's name? It's a legendary creature. Her name is Massacre Girl. Oh, like she's like. A person that gets talked about it is feared and stuff, and everybody calls her Massacre Girl. Okay, cool. That's my like, Good vague know. understanding of it. Good but to know. I think we knew about her in the last Ravnica storyline. Oh. Um, okay. I don't... Yeah, I, I don't know that much about it, but like it's Massacre Girl, and you don't you don't mess with her. Obviously, got it. Got it. Yeah, cl- I mean, you know, just look at the picture. <laughs> she's covered in blood. <laughs> right, yeah, right. She's massacred everyone, <laughs> <laughs> which is not really an assassin thing to do. Is my well, biggest problem with this card. Yeah, you send in an assassin, mm-hmm. and then that assassin kills like forty people, and that assassin comes back and like, "Give me my money," and you're like, "What the hell did you do?" <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, I guess it's like the John Wick school of assassins. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's Massacre Girl. Anyway, 84 cents. Sure. Two. Two seems like a fine pickup. Yeah. I I can't imagine ever wanting more than two of these in a day. It costs five mana. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, 
five mana cards that don't do anything when they come into play are just like terrifying to me and i would never want to play almost any of them <laughs> like a five mana card that does a thing when it comes into play feels a lot cheaper to me than right you know like five mana giant creature that you need to attack with is... but a five mana card that risks yeah. not doing anything yeah. to play when you want it to that's kind of brutal i agree yeah uh next we have a, a, a sort of you know, just a much smaller, gentler sort of yeah, card. Right. This is Spark Harvest. One black mana, sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or pay three and a black. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. This card is like really flexible in a deck with throwaway creatures and stuff. Yeah. In a like a Dreadhorde invasion based deck that's aristocracy or whatever. The, this is just like a one mana dread boar, and if you're trying to throw away creatures for any reason, this is like a sacrifice outlet. This does a lot of things, I think. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see it. This is definitely one of those cards that fits perfectly with your like best case scenario for the the bitter blossom card. Yeah, for for dreadhorde invasion. Yeah. Okay. You know, this, it just like is a role player. Bone splinters is not the most powerful card in the world, certainly, and yeah. this is going to be bone splinters a lot of the time right but you know later in the game sometimes you will cast this for five mana and be glad you don't have to sacrifice a creature to do it every once in a while that's yep. a nice little option right killing a planeswalker is a, a big upgrade i think that this card is pretty high pick and limited for sure oh yeah yeah um i mean it is it's a common it's 14 cents there's a chance that like the aristocrats deck if it exists just wants this as the removal spell yeah. as we've gone through all the black cards in the set our idea of <laughs> aristocrats is slowly gaining yeah so. all right um so i'm just there's no reason not to just pick up four of this card and have them available this is i could see and and i can legitimately see putting a, a 75 card deck together that starts four of these cards four of these as it's like removal suite right and it's you know deck full of creatures that you don't care if they stay in play or not right right for sure and i believe that is all of the black cards all right so that is all the colors we're doing today we went through white blue and black and next week we will be back with red green multicolored cards colorless cards the lands um actually a lot of multicolored cards in this set not technically a, a ravnica set but right. i was surprised at like the percentage of them i had to drag over to the, the <laughs> right. spreadsheet yeah. the ones that are here we're going to talk about yeah there's a yeah. lot of good ones yeah so so that's exciting but yeah so hopefully this is a good format uh since we're i'm going to put this episode out on you should be listening to this hopefully on friday february 19th so Please give us feedback about it, and we can adjust how we did this for the second half of the set review. We could, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Live feedback. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's actually a thing. So, yeah, as we sort of are developing how we're doing this podcast in the future and Patreon rewards and that sort of thing, um, we just got back from looking at a house that we are going to move into with a couple of our friends of ours, including Zan Sayed. Team from Team Lotus Box. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy Rotarioni, yep. uh, a Lotus Boxer. Yep. Uh, and we're kind of setting this up as a magic stream content creation hangout pad. It's going to um, be great. 
And one of the things I think we're definitely gonna set up and start doing is we're gonna record live and we are going to broadcast recording the podcast on Twitch uh, yep. for people who wanna watch. Uh, and then hopefully we get like real live feedback. That'll be great. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and that's, that's gonna, as we figure that out, we're also gonna redo some of the Patreon tiers and stuff like that and, right. and really, you know, Every time we change things up, we learn something, and, and I definitely want to make things as good as we possibly can for people who want to give us some support. So for everybody who does give us that support, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Anybody who's thinking about it and for now wants to come hang out in the Discord, get some tokens, get the rewards that we've got up right now, um, or, you know, just, you know, be a part of the Discord, and then in the future, who knows what wonderful things may come. It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to become a patron, please head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Uh, you can also find it at our website, mtggrindcast.com. We've got links to the Patreon there. Also got links to all of our social media and stuff. Got links to Collins's coaching services. You can also find us on Twitter. I am tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. And we will see you next week for the rest of the set review. Peace.